Welcome to another episode of Happy Without Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Yuandi, and today we're going to be talking about survival mode. It's a term that you may or may not have heard being used over the past three or so years, given what we as humanity, as a species, went through, literally fighting and doing what we needed to do to survive the coronavirus pandemic. Beyond the fear of physical danger, though, I'm going to be speaking about this topic of survival mode from a more emotional and mental standpoint, and I'm sure you're going to find this valuable, so stay tuned. Welcome to Happy Without Medicine, and I'm your host, Dr. Yuandi, a medical doctor, therapist, and a fierce advocate for your happiness. My mission here is simple, to help professional women just like you create a life you're excited to wake up to. It's time to make the happiness you feel on the inside match the success others see on the outside. Let's get started. I would like to make an educated guess today and say that I'm going to guess that the constant threat to your physical safety as you're listening to me right now, whether you are driving, whether you are, whatever it is that you're doing, I'm going to take the educated guess and say that your physical safety, the threat to your physical safety, the constant threat to your physical safety is not part of your day-to-day reality. For the majority of my listeners, you are not walking around fearing for your life. And although this unfortunately is the reality for many people around the world, for example, people living in war-torn countries, and quite honestly, for to bring it home, people in our neighborhoods, in our churches and places of worship, in our workplaces, because of domestic abuse, right? But for you, my friend, I am making that educated guess, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but I'm making that educated guess that the fear for your life from a physical threat is not your reality. Maybe two years ago it was, but I'm gonna guess that right now it's not your reality. So why is it that when people talk about being in survival mode, Somehow that phrase resonates with you. Somehow you identify with that phrase. Or maybe it doesn't resonate with you yet and you're curious, could it be that I'm in survival mode? Or maybe you just want to know what it means. And so in this episode of Happy Without Medicine, I'm going to be breaking down survival mode and maybe it'll enlighten you and help you understand why a phrase like this might resonate. I'd like to start by explaining to you what happens when the body perceives a physical threat. You've probably heard of the term fight or flight response or fight, flight, or freeze response. Whenever the body perceives a physical threat, whenever there is a situation, so for example, let me paint this picture. So you're walking downtown Toronto, as an example, or downtown wherever city you live in, and you're walking at night. Maybe you're alone. Maybe you've just said goodbye to your friends. You had dinner and now you're on the way to catch an Uber or you're on the way to catch the subway. 
and you're walking towards your stop. You're walking towards where you know you can get an Uber. And all of a sudden, you see someone running fast towards you. You're walking down a dark road and all of a sudden, you see something running, someone running fast towards you. Immediately, reflexively, your mind is going to interpret this person running towards you as a threat. And they're going to interpret the situation as a threat to your life. Your nervous system is activated to either fight and attack back, to flee or run away, or to freeze, to immobilize, which is exactly what happens when a deer becomes immobile and stuck in the middle of a road as a vehicle fast approaches it. This is where we get the term deer in headlights. Now, the purpose of each of these responses is to simply live, (laughs) to simply outlive this danger that's coming towards you. That's the purpose of fighting, fleeing, or freezing. It's to survive, to outlive the danger. The nervous system will cause a surge of hormones, including adrenaline, that causes your muscles to contract, including your heart muscles, causing it to beat faster. It'll cause your extremities, the muscles in your extremities to contract in preparation to run, in preparation to fight, or in preparation to to freeze, to stay as still as possible. It will also cause the pupils of your eyes to dilate in order to increase the light perception so you can really take in your surroundings enough to do what you need to do to survive. It causes perspiration. It causes you to sweat. It causes an activation of the gastrointestinal system and a host of other things in the body, which, by the way, have very primitive, prehistoric origins and reasons and, and, and functions, right? These are all things that were, your body needed to do in order to survive prehistoric times. These are all a physical response to a physical threat. And when the body is threatened, when that physical threat is prolonged and extended, in the case of being exposed to constant danger, for example, I gave the example of a war, then other changes in addition to these ones begin to happen, particularly the secretion of stress hormones, what we will call the stress response. And I want to remind you that the purpose of all of these things happening, the purpose of all these physiological responses and changes is simply to survive. I remember about three weeks ago, I was working an urgent care shift and everyone's always surprised. Yes, I still work urgent care. I don't work emergency but I still work urgent care shifts in, a, in addition to running my private practice. And so this is an urgent care shift that I was working at. And one of my colleagues was getting very heated and very upset at a volunteer for making a mistake. And it was a pretty big mistake. And so my colleague was right to be upset, but she was reprimanding the volunteer quite sternly. And I was a bystander. You know, I was off to the side writing my own notes, But I started to notice my response to the encounter. My chest started to get uncomfortable and tight. I could feel that my heart rate was going up. My stomach was starting to get upset. And I couldn't focus on the notes I was writing anymore because my vision started to glaze over. Right away, I recognized that my body was responding to what it was perceiving as a threat right? My body was perceiving the encounter between my colleague and the volunteer as a threat. And so what I did was I left the area. I took some nice, deep 
big breaths and started to feel all those symptoms dissipate. I started to feel my vision start to get clearer. I could focus again on what I was doing. I started to feel my heart rate coming down and I could feel the symptoms dissipate. And like I said, although I wasn't under any physical threat whatsoever, an emotional threat, interestingly, can cause the same set of physiological and physical responses in our nervous systems because our minds can't always differentiate between what is a physical threat and what is an, what is an emotional threat. And because at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is survive, we have this innate bias towards survival, emotional threats such as humiliation, embarrassment, these can reflexively be interpreted by the mind as a threat to one's life. Unpredictable behavior by a loved one or a colleague or a boss or lashing out, them lashing out and you not really being able to predict what personality or what behavior you're going to get out of them, that can also be interpreted by the mind as a threat. Being given the silent treatment or the cold shoulder, being ostracized or ignored or left out, that can also be interpreted by the mind as a threat to one's life. So these are all examples of more mental, emotional threats that can elicit a physical response to us. And of course, anything that resembles or triggers the memory of a previous physical threat, so anything that can evoke in your mind a similarity to a previous physical threat, that can also be interpreted by the mind as a threat to one's life. So as an example, to continue with the example I gave earlier, if you are, if you were at a, so yesterday I was with my kids at a playground. So say you were, there were lots of kids running around. So say if you were at a park full of kids and a child that isn't yours starts to run towards you, if your mind reflexively connects that to the time when you were downtown and you had a bad experience of someone running towards you, chances are you might get triggered into a survival response because of the similarities between these two situations. So I hope it's clear how even in the absence of any apparent physical danger, we can still be flipped into survival mode for various other emotional reasons. So How can you tell if you are indeed in survival mode? If we think back to some of the physical responses that I mentioned, it might be helpful for you to connect what you might be experiencing to some of those physical responses. So now I really just want to put in a bit of a disclaimer here because this is not a way to self-diagnose yourself with anything. If indeed you are experiencing any of these symptoms, it is imperative that you speak to your own doctor and your own therapist in order to rule out any other potential causes of your symptoms or any other diagnoses that could very well manifest in these symptoms that I'm going to talk about here. So the first thing that I want you to notice is, are you feeling like you are just trying to make it through one day? Literally, like you're just trying to survive. You're just trying to get through the next day, get through the next hour. And at the end of the day, it's like, okay, you crash and then you repeat all over again. So literally feeling like you're just trying to make it through. That could be one clue that you are in survival mode. The next symptom that is often very common is insomnia. 
So feeling like your sleep is not deep enough. So oftentimes people will describe, I'm not able to get into a deep, deep sleep. Are you still aware of your surroundings even as you go to bed at night? Do you, are you a very, very light sleeper? Or maybe no matter how long you sleep, you still wake up feeling tired. You wake up feeling exhausted. You wake up feeling like you barely even slept. You were just laying down and maybe just daydreaming. Another symptom is feeling like you are on edge all the time, like you can't settle down and you can't relax. This, of course, will result in irritability. You're always on edge. You're hypervigilant. Everything bothers you. Everything grates on your nerves. You can't really take the time to just calm down and relax. I mentioned some GI symptoms, so gastrointestinal symptoms, as part of the fight, flight, or freeze response. And so nausea and an upset stomach is also a common sign that your nervous system is on active survival mode. So some people might describe loose stools or diarrhea or just constantly feeling nauseated and having to eat something sweet or something dry or something carby in order to curb the nausea. Headaches, of course, could also be as a result of poor sleep and as a result of constantly feeling stressed because you don't know what is about to jump out at you, you don't know who's about to jump out at you, you're always on edge, you're always stressed. And these headaches could be throbbing migraine headaches or tension headaches, what we call tension headaches, which feels like a tight band is being squeezed around your head. Another symptom is elevated blood pressure because Part of the fight, fight, or freeze response is your blood vessels get constricted. They get tightened when the nervous system is activated in a stress response, which then results in elevated blood pressure. You could also have weight gain. Weight gain happens for a number of reasons. One is due to the accumulation of the stress hormone, specifically cortisol. It could also be due to an increase in appetite. It could also be due to trying to curb the nausea from the activated nervous system. So weight gain, usually it's because of the hormones, but it could be from a host of other reasons as well to poor eating habits because you're just trying to manage your stress. In survival mode, you're probably not planning your meals. You're probably just eating the first available thing that you can get your hands on. And all of that together is going to result in weight gain. You could also be experiencing flare-ups. So flare-ups in your joints, and when I say flare-ups, I mean inflammation. So inflammation in your joints, inflammation in your skin, resulting in breakouts in your scalp, resulting in hair fall. For some people, they might experience alopecia or hair loss in general. So of course, this is not an extensive list, but these were the symptoms that I see very commonly in my patients who are in, who come to me in survival mode. And so I offer you this list, again, not as a diagnostic tool, but for you to start to think about whether you might be in survival mode without even being aware of it, without even realizing it. You know, these are all indications that although you might not be in any physical danger whatsoever, your mind is perceiving your circumstances as emotionally and mentally and psychologically unsafe. And by the way, this is why workplace environments need to pay attention to psychological safety for their employees. You know, aside from feeling safe in your own home, it's also important for you to feel safe at work. 
because that directly not only affects your quality of life, but it affects your productivity. You know, if you have employees who are always on edge, their nervous system is constantly activated and constantly perceiving people as threats, you know, in their environment as a threat, they're not going to be productive. But that's an aside. And by the way, if you are an employer or a team leader or even a team member, an organizational leader that wants someone to come in to talk to your group about psychological safety at work, definitely send us an email at info at kamicounseling.com, info at K-A-M-Y counseling with two L's.com. And I would be happy to come in and do some sort of training on psychological safety. But that's an aside. My main purpose today, my dear friend, is to encourage you to listen to your body. Your body has been trying to communicate very important signals to you for the past several weeks, maybe even months or maybe even years for some of you. It's saying, hey, I don't feel safe. I don't feel secure enough to sink into a deep sleep. I don't feel secure enough to relax. Our bodies are always communicating with our minds and so it's important for us to pay attention. Now, in addition to speaking to your doctor and to your therapist, I'm going to give you just a couple of practical things that you can do if indeed you suspect that you might be in survival mode currently. The main goal ultimately is to learn how to relax. And I know that for many of you, hearing that word relax really grates on your nerves because it's probably something you've been told over and over again. I get it. But the truth is, yes, it's important to relax. It's important to calm your nervous system. It's important to reassure your nervous system that it doesn't need to be on edge all the time. So I want you to remember this acronym. The acronym is STOP, S-T-O-P. And this is something that you can use in just a few seconds if you're finding that your nervous system, your heart rate is going up, your vision is getting blurry, you're feeling overwhelmed, and it's because of a threat to your emotional safety. I'm not talking about physical safety because if your physical safety is under threat, you know that you have to run, (laughs) right? Depending on what's going on. But if you feel like emotionally you're getting to a space where your, your, your nervous system is getting activated, I want you to stop. And what does stop stand for? The S stands for stop. T stands for take a breath, take a big breath. You might want to take four big deep breaths. That's a T. The O is observe, observe what is happening internally and observe what is happening externally. And then P is proceed with your course of action. This is one thing that you can do in the moment when you feel like your survival mode has been kicked into a higher gear and you need to rein things in a little bit and to bring things down a few notches. For myself, like I used the example earlier, being in an environment where I felt that the emotions were getting charged and my body was perceiving it as a threat. I stopped, I took a breath, I observed what was going on in my surroundings, I observed what was going on internally, and then I proceeded with a course of action, which was to leave the place and continue my work elsewhere. Okay, so that's one thing that you can do in the moment if you're finding that emotionally you're starting to get charged. 
Now for long-term adjustments to your nervous system, for long-term adjustments to the survival mode, some examples of things that you can do are practicing regular breathing exercises, so deep breathing exercises. Of course, exercising regularly, 30 minutes a day for a minimum of three days a week. Recommendations are actually five days a week, but if you can do three days a week, it's better than nothing. Journaling your thoughts, being aware of the things that you're telling yourself, getting them out on paper, practicing being present, also known as mindfulness, so that you're in the moment instead of being in the past or in the future. Prioritizing your sleep by establishing a nighttime routine and what we call sleep hygiene, so good sleep habits, good sleep hygiene. These are just some strategies that can help you calm your nervous system so that you're not constantly in survival mode. And of course, it's going to be very important to address the emotional environment itself by either removing yourself like I did or working to changing the environment so that you feel safe. And like I said before, if this is an area in which you would like to learn more about and you want me to come do a talk or workshop with your organization, I would be happy to partner with you to help improve your team, your organization's perception of safety and productivity of your members. I hope you found this episode helpful. If you did, be sure to send it to a friend because if it helped you, it's going to help them as well. And I would like to end this episode with a quote from Maya Angelou who said, My mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive and to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor, and some style. Until next time, remember that I'm here always fiercely advocating for your success and your happiness. Bye. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Yuan Di, on the Happy Without Medicine podcast this week. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could give it a review on Apple Podcast because it helps Happy Without Medicine pop up when other women are searching for ways to find their happiness again. And visit happywithoutmedicine.com to view the complete show notes and other resources mentioned in today's episode. I'll catch you next time.